0: We're going to turn to the book of Leviticus again. And we are skipping the next chapter that we're up to. We mentioned that you can read that on your own. Fairly straightforward. And we are going to go to the chapter Following that, which has to do with atonement, including the Day of Atonement, chapter 16, Leviticus chapter 16. And this chapter has 34 verses. We will read together or follow along as two of you will read for us. Whoever would like to volunteer. Leviticus 16, if you can read, if you have a clear connection, first of all, and please read slowly, clearly, and loud enough. Leviticus chapter 16, someone please read verses 1 to 17, and then someone else can read 18 to 34.
1: The Lord spoke to Moses. After the death of Aaron's two sons, who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him, the Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there. And I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover and when Aaron enters the sanctuary area he must follow these instructions fully he must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering he must put on his linen tunic and then the linen undergarments worn next to his body he must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head these are sacred garments so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, excuse me. Aaron will present his own bowl as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. And will present his own bowl as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. After he has slaughtered the bowl as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner curtain. There in the Lord's presence he will put the incense on the burning coals that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement, that rests on the ark of the covenant. And if he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his finger in it, and sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover. He must sprinkle blood seven times of his finger in front of the atonement cover. Then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people, and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. There, he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place. And he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. No no one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord.
2: Leviticus chapter 16, verse 18 onwards, an anti-version. Then Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before the Lord. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bull and the goat and putting it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times over the altar. In this way, he will cleanse it from Israel's defilement And make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness,
1: rebellion,
2: and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. When Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he entered the most holy place and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place, put on his regular garments and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man chosen to drive the scapegoat into the wilderness of Azazel must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Then he may return to the camp. The bull and the goat Presented as sin offerings, whose blood Aaron takes into the most holy place for the purification ceremony, will be carried outside the camp. The animal's hides, internal organs, and dung are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. On the 10th day of the appointed month in early autumn, you must deny yourselves. Neither native-born Israelites, nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. On that day, offerings of purification will be made for you and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all your sins. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you and you must deny yourselves. This is a permanent law for you. In future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to serve as a high priest in the place of his ancestor, Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priest, and the entire congregation. This is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. Moses followed all these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. Praise God.
0: Praise the Lord. Praise God. Once again, we see how the people had to be very careful to follow God's prescribed method to be made right. They're given very specific instructions for the high priest, and how no one was allowed to be in the tabernacle while he was uh, performing these duties on that one day of the whole year, the most holy, or the holiest day, the day of atonement or Yom Kippur, which happens in September, October in this year. This very Day of Atonement that God prescribed happened to fall on September 15th, evening to September 16th. And Jews would have a solemn day of fasting, denying themselves and seeking the Lord for His Atonement. Believers, we know Jesus fulfilled all of this which was temporary and couldn't really take away the sins. But He came and did it. Hallelujah. So that we're free. We're free from the penalty and the guilt of every one of our sins. Something that seems to be absolutely mind-boggling, absolutely perhaps too good to be true. And yet if someone follows the Lord faithfully, they would have known that the Lord had a Messiah that was to come. As it's written in the book of Acts, that Moses himself said, later on in their journeys God will raise a prophet like me but the difference is you have to listen to everything that prophet says and the way he described it was that prophet had absolute authority Moses relayed what God said but this prophet was God himself Jesus Christ And many, many scriptures prophetic speaking to the coming Messiah. Notice in Leviticus 16, along with the instructions for the altar. The beginning verse says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons, who died after they entered the Lord's presence, and burned the wrong kind of fire, a strange fire before him. They did something that God did not command. They violated God's commandment. They did something they wished to do. Asserting their will over the will of God. And trouble comes every time, every single time, any human being, particularly those who know God, overstep his will or has tried to sidestep his will, and go over the boundary that he set, and violate his commandments. Trouble comes. In this case, it was instant death; they were gone. After that, is written here, a warning was given to the very first high priest, so beautifully decorated with the vestments. So uniquely called and appointed by God, the very first high priest was warned by his younger brother, Moses, through the Lord, by the Lord, do not enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever you like, and very forthrightly, he speaks of the consequences. If your brother does that, he will die. We see that God's commandments, His judgments are not flexible. But everyone must obey God's commandment. With God, there's no respect of persons. Just an act of passing... A curtain would be destruction worse than being electrocuted. Because it would be a very blatant violation of God's holy law. And as he said concerning Aaron's first two sons, Nadab and Abihu, Moses said, you recall, after they died, right before the Lord, instantly, because fire from the Lord struck them down. Moses said, this is what the Lord said. I will be sanctified by the people who come near me. These people were given the great privilege, the unique privilege and the right, to come so close to God. And so the consequence is that swift." And yet the whole heart of God was not to to just scare people and uh, to pronounce punishment and judgment. His heart is a heart of love and he wanted to give them instruction on how to come in fellowship with him and have the best time walking with him and yet he had to warn them that if you not only take it for granted but presume upon the grace that's shown to these wilderness people God made his people and to the people that came very near him the priests especially the high priests he had to tell them if you do something so evil as to take my presence for granted and even blaspheme in that way a fire will blaze forth from the Lord's presence and destroy so you would think that Aaron would not need any warning especially after seeing just a short time ago his eldest two sons perish as they tried to do the duties that they were given in a satanic way, just as the devil said, I will ascend up to that throne of the Most High, and I'll basically, is saying, I'll overtake it. This is exactly what they're doing. God said, do it this way? No, we'll do it this way. Watch this. What they watched was fire come from God's presence and destroy them. We can't afford to just gloss over these things and say it's too scary. Uh, it's all about grace today. Once again, we must be reminded that in the Bible, in the Book of Hebrews, the Book of Revelation, in the Book of Corinthians, one and two, first and second Corinthians, in the Gospels, in the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit all over the New Testament God has very sobering warnings and he says you thought it was dangerous under Moses' law in Hebrews chapter 10 he said it's going to be worse for people who've been sanctified by the blood of the Son of God and they trample all over it they count it not worthy how does one do that? is it by saying these things? could be but more often is by action by violating god's commandments and so god these people were warned and we cannot afford to gloss over it i call attention to verse 2 of leviticus 16 If the reason for egregious sins against God today is a lack of the fear of God, then certainly we need to underline verses like these, Leviticus 16.2, particularly this phrase, if he does, he will die. Very straightforward. God said, your brother, I picked your brother. I decorated him to represent me and represent Israel to one another but Moses the Spirit of God had Moses record this specifically even though we saw this a few chapters before several chapters before this chapter the context is provided for us by the Spirit of God why would he write that beginning that chapter by saying after the death of this man's two sons and the reason who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him how important and instructive and helpful it would be if we would all remind ourselves and tell our children God is holy, He is loving He is very kind He has a great future for you, great plan but you need to remember that there were people who died along the way because they presumed upon His grace They thought they can do worship the way they want. They thought they could do the Christian life the way they want. They thought they can interpret the Bible the way they want. Many, many examples are there of people who perished. And so if the fear of God is necessary in our lives, and how do you know it's necessary or lacking? Is when we do evil when we disobey God no matter how many scriptures we know we can quote the entire book of the Bible if possible from Genesis to Revelation all of those thousands of verses without one error and still choose to disobey whatever we'd like In that case, the punishment will come even harder for one who took it upon himself or herself to actually speak God's word and act like they love God's word and yet disobey God's word. The fear of God is not there. If we want the fear of God in our lives, if we recognize that we need it because we're not obeying everything God is saying, And if we want to convey that to our children and to people we teach or we share the word with who don't have it in their lives they think they're going to heaven but they don't obey God's word we need to call attention to verses like these Leviticus 16 verse 2 it would be very, very good and we'd all do ourselves a favor if we underline these words if he does he will die what? what? God says, let him not think he can enter into my presence any time he chooses. What is the application for us? So people who are able to come by God's gracious invitation come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, Aaron had to come at a prescribed time in a prescribed manner because of their sin barrier. Now who would be foolish enough to think that because I don't have a prescribed day or prescribed regulation and sacrifices uh, Jesus did it all so I can come to God anytime. That's true but what's not true is I can come to God anytime any way I choose I can't come with sin. So that is the take away or take home lesson when we read verses like these to apply to our lives as believers, we must understand that sin will destroy us. And God will have to act if we think that we can toy around with immorality, toy around with covetousness, being mean-hearted, evil, vengeful, prideful, and uh, celebrate because, uh, didn't God say, once saved, the saved. Once I did it, that's it. Yes, through the eternal spirit, it says in the book of Hebrews, he offered himself, his blood, his life, so that we can be free from the bondage and prison of sin and be justified, made right, given the righteousness of God, fit for heaven. One act accomplished that, which was the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he willingly gave, or lay down his life to cause, for our redemption. But it only is good for those who part with the very thing that caused him to die for us, sin. The fear of God today, in 2021, for every believer, would ring a clarion call within our consciences to say you cannot come near God if you have sin in your life. And we are too smart today because of all that God has given us to think, oh but I don't drink anymore so I'm good. I don't watch those dirty things anymore so I'm good. Um, I don't cheat on the job and change figures to pad my wallet or my pocketbook so I'm good but what about jealousy what about bitterness what about anger what about being rude is that a characteristic of Jesus or is it the devil these things that we think are negligible will surely keep us out of heaven. Just have to read Ephesians 4. you see right at the end of the chapter. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed till the day of redemption. What things? Bitterness? Clamor? Loud arguing? Among other things. How the fear of God will do a thorough work in our hearts if we really fear God if we really understand how awesome He is and how we can be held by Him so wonderfully snug in His everlasting arms in a father-son father-daughter relationship that cannot be broken if we really love Him we'll do what He says Moses told his own brother who was appointed for a very sacred duty if you think you can come because you have the keys to the tabernacle so to speak in that most holy place behind the curtain any time it's not that I'm going to put you on the shelf and I'm going to have to pick somebody else another one of your sons because you made a big blunder there you came on a day I didn't tell you to come now go back and Bathe yourself and offer another bull for your sins. And we'll see. Maybe next year I'll come back to you. What he said was, Moses, if your brother comes in behind the curtain into the most holy place, he'll die. The instructions here, again, we have gotten to the habit and practice of being able to follow along about the various offerings for the sins but we're introduced to the concept of the scapegoat here. In verse 6 it says, Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family making them right with the Lord. How can he go and do anything on behalf of Israel if he himself is dirty. That is, dirty in the sense of having that original sin, inherited sin, and the need for atonement for his own actions, including any ceremonial uncleanness. He had to make sure, I need a sacrifice for me. I need a sacrifice for my family. We need to be clear. Then we can serve the Lord. Do you know ministers who serve God with dirty hands? Have you ever met any? Have you been one? Doing the work of the Lord? Totally casting God's word behind our backs. Caught up in ministry but utterly defiled with a foul odor before God. You know why? Because of embracing sin. Again, what kind of sin? Ill will toward a brother or sister in the very same body of Christ we belong to. Members of one another. Being rude to one another instead of preferring one another before ourselves uh, evil suspicion casting bad words through our teeth either muttering it privately or publicly against another brother's sister slander now this is not talking about the duty of every believer to make sure when offenses are brought in by anyone to go and talk to them and tell them, as the Lord says in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, go and tell. Talk to that person and discuss the offense. And if the person listens to you, it's wonderful, it's settled. But if not, take some more witnesses and then there's an escalation of it to solve it. God doesn't want sin in the camp. We're not talking about that where we have to make sure that it's dealt with but then we have also the scriptural directive to love and forgive and not make a big deal to make ourselves look good and the other person bad God checks every motive but as it's written love covers a multitude of sins and yet an offense that has not been repented of can continue and defile the whole church, a root of bitterness, according to Hebrews 12. So the scriptural commandments to handle situations are given, but what we need to do is make sure that we're not the offending party. No matter what we think about ourselves, that we didn't do anything wrong, we want God to say that, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart try me. Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me. He's the one that has to say it. Just as he's the one here in Leviticus 16 who had to do what? Accepted the offering that Aaron had to offer for his own sins and for his family. How very different how we live the Christian life and how we do ministry when the genuine fear of of the living God is within our bones. We're not cowardly and going around with our head down and feeling guilty and feeling afraid and anxious and, as they say, walking on eggshells. No, we walk around bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion, the proverb says. But the wicked flees when no man pursues. We have right standing with God, walking in His holiness, we're the boldest people on the face of the planet because God's favor is upon us because we are walking in his favor under his favor so dirty hands and an impure heart doesn't necessarily mean a drunkard a deacon or an elder or a pastor or a choir member Sunday school teacher whoever it is doesn't necessarily mean that they're drinking or carousing but being dirty means the pollution of sin that makes me feel like I'm better than the next person it's a deadly thing may God have mercy if we ever think I don't want to hear this part and it doesn't concern me that's indicative immediately That kind of attitude, that that very thing that we think we don't have is really like a leprous plague like we read about is within the heart. But if we say Lord is it me? Oh praise God, that's the beginning of true cleansing. And Let the Lord come and show what needs to go out from my heart so that I minister with a pure heart and clean hands innocent again, hallelujah hallelujah How does a guilty person caught red-handed with violating God's commandment of love become innocent and pure, blameless and harmless? How in the world is that possible? Oh, through the blood of the Lamb of God, when a Christian comes back to the cross and says, Lord, I don't know why I allowed myself to get like this please forgive me Lord how can I ever get to heaven like this never mind ministry hallelujah that is the missing element today people are too much concerned about activities and doing rather than being And that being speaks about my true state before the Lord whether I'm holy or not and the Lord promises He will never turn away anyone no matter what we've done except for the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And what John the Apostle wrote in his epistle soon that leads to death. He said, I don't say that you should pray for it. But if our heart is in the right place desiring to please God and making it our top priority, not to miss the heavenly Canaan for anything. Giving up everything, as the Lord told the rich young ruler. If you want to follow me, if you want the kingdom of God, you want eternal life, the one thing you're lacking, I know you're doing a lot of good things, but one thing, just one thing you need to do, just one thing. Go and sell all you have give to the poor, and come follow me. He abandoned eternal life, so that he can hold on to his perishable trinkets even if he had a billion dollars it's but fool's gold compared to the treasure of heaven if we have such a sober understanding of the need to be right with God then we will be right with God the scapegoat. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 7 of Leviticus 16. He's to cast a sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Azazel, Azazel, Azazel. Some place over there where they were encamped. Obviously not too far away because the man would take that scapegoat and let it loose. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. So the Lord gives that picture twofold here for them to see in full view of Israel they get to see one is slaughtered and the other one is meant to carry the sins and run away, run off into the wilderness, run away, having the wickedness and the sins transferred to it symbolically and before the Lord effectively albeit temporarily it was still something God commanded and he took it as such Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family making them right with the Lord the first order of business for every Christian particularly those who have a household is to make sure the household is in order before the Lord. And hence the terrible drama of misplaced priorities and uh, openness to blaspheming the living God by people's lives and families who would like to get involved and be active in exciting ministry or do something, part of some movement. But their families are in shambles. Now, does that mean that those who genuinely want to serve God, and certain things have happened because of neglect or some sin, other sins, and now they're trying to remedy it, doesn't mean they're disqualified for service. According to the scriptures, some service, such as being a leader in the church, the Bible says clearly, if you want to care for the church of God, you've got to have your children under control. However, this does not mean that they cannot serve the Lord and the Lord won't accept them in the service that He chooses for them. When they are diligently seeking to remedy the situation of unruly children, And the praying and God sees the tears and He sees the godly sorrow, the ownership, not the blame game of what part I had to play in the rebellion that's in the house. We're able to still serve God because God sees the heart and He's working. Hallelujah. And yet, the caution is there, the warning is there for those who would rush off to do whatever they want and have no regard for how the children rebel against the living God. What use is that before God? I say, take care of that first. At least by weeping and praying for the souls of those children that came out of your own body or in your household under your guardianship. And why is it so hard to see the rationale and the fairness, the equitableness of such a command? Sin blinds people. Rebellious heart is blinded to see wrong is right, right is wrong, crooked is straight, straight is crooked. And any time counsel is given or a commandment of God is explained clearly we're there it's a responsibility to do a 180 to turn from the way we're going and say let's stop the show let's be real and take care of what God wants us to take care of first sin blinds but the call of a person who would speak for the living God is to speak the truth that would divide the light from the darkness. Giving only two choices. For everyone. Either to follow God. Or to follow the devil. There's no in between. So Aaron presents. His offering to make sure he's right. And his family's right. And then he comes and. Acts as an intercessor. Intercessor and as a mediator of sorts for the congregation before God. Verse 13, let's skip to verse 13, Leviticus 16:13. There in the Lord's presence He will put the incense on the burning coals, so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. I would underline this sentence as well if he follows these instructions, does it say, he will make me happy, he'll have a lot of joy? If he follows these instructions, it's written, he will not die. God keeps presenting death because he's conveying very clearly any sort of rebellion against God's ways always produces death. As we mentioned yesterday, Sin is never isolated. It is communicable. It is contagious. It is the worst pandemic ever. Because it affects every facet of life. Sometimes the analogy is given. We have a glass of pure water. And just one tiny drop of blue or black ink is dropped into there dropped in there and what happens? There's a dispersion of those particular molecules from the ink that begins to take over the entire glass. It's just a small quantity but it defiles the whole thing. And that's why we must never forget that no one can sin privately any time and think that it's self-contained. It never is. And the sad reality is it always produces death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a reception of the gift Along with the separation from sin. Today, people believe you can receive the gift any old way you like. And because you have the gift, you're home free. You've made it. But along with the gift, God says you've got to stay separate from that which you try to rob the gift. Which is sin. We go further after the purification of the altar, the atonement cover, tabernacle, the entire tabernacle. See how thoroughly God says every place has to be sanctified. There's no room for any kind of folly. This is very sacred. God says, I'm in the house. And similarly, we're called to come to the house of God reverently and to check our hearts And to make sure we know we're coming to meet with the living God because he promised, if he said, I will meet with Aaron over there, where? Between the cherubims, right there, the mercy seat. God says where two or three of his disciples, his children are gathered together, such as right now, he's in the midst of them. And when we go celebrating holy day to worship God, we're coming to our Father. And notice the incense that He had to burn. He had to bring it in. Everything speaks of heaven's atmosphere. Hallelujah. Pure and holy, beautiful, fragrant, glorious, awesome. That same God that met with Aaron comes to church every time we come together hallelujah now if only every person in the body of Christ would come with that kind of attitude and check ourselves when we feel the that little bug that comes around to make us feel a little more casual, laid back and try to minimize what God wants to do or distract When everyone is on high alert that we're meeting with the living God and we will not allow anything to distract us. We want the benefit of His glorious presence. Notice, after the purification of everything, you may want to underline verse 17. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place this was an exclusive duty reserved for the high priest and there's only one way one person that the father will accept that person is the beloved the Lord Jesus Christ and the beloved son of God who said, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book or the scroll is written of me. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. I'm here. How beautiful. The most beautiful person, the most beautiful human being, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, giving his innocent, majestic, holy body, as a read soon in Leviticus 17, The Lord says, I've given the blood for you, Israel, upon the altar expressly for the reason of making atonement to deal with your sin, to take it away. Temporarily, of course. But with the blood of the Son of God, it's a permanent removal of sin. Hallelujah. Born again, brand new. Praise God. His sacrifice, the unique sacrifice, the only person in the temple that can come with the blood, the Lord Jesus Christ. The high priest's duty and his place, the exclusive right that he has or the duty to be the only one in that house of God, the tabernacle, to perform this sacred ritual, atoning work, No one else could be there. God said, it has to be clear. Everybody has to clear out. Everyone has to clear out of there. Who can come along with Jesus? Can we add Jesus and then add horoscopes and say, well, I like to look around and can I have Jesus and go after all kinds of filthy TV shows and Hollywood stars and long to take pictures with those so-called stars? What is the message I'm conveying? What fellowship has light with darkness? Now, if someone called a star, so-called, because of some achievement, happens to be a godly person, it has some kind of sense there to associate myself with that person. We don't look down on people, but as we heard a few Sundays back, guilt by association, God will see to that. For anyone who brings Belial or Baal or Ashtoreth, or Molech, or any so-called God, and bring as a competition or an add-on to Jesus Christ in their lives, they will die. Because they have a false religion. They're kindling strange fire. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation through grace By grace, through faith, which is a gift of God, with works. We need to tie the scriptures together, not just isolate one epistle in one portion of a chapter of an epistle. Run off with that and live like the devil, have a Christian badge. Why do we need to hear this over and over and over again? Because the plague is that drastically spreading Today, in these last days. Where people are dying by the multitudes. They're not dying in the right way either. And the people are called Christians. Or they call themselves Christians. Funerals happen where people are speaking good things about those people who died in sin. Further. Supporting the deception. Can any of us predict the day of our death or the day of the death of a loved one? It's more often than not a rare thing to be able to predict that. so the urgency is there to make sure that the words that come out of our mouth in the name of God and for God in our presentation of the gospel in the way we live should be exactly conformed to the living God's truth. Any deviation in that whatsoever to take verses the opposite also legalistically Saying works, works, works. Ignoring grace, without which there be no faith, there be no grace. To work the works of God and keep His commandments. Both must be there. Hallelujah. The love of God and the fear of God, the grace of God, and the obligation to obey God must be there till the very end. Otherwise, like the people in the wilderness, they won't make it. But here's the verse. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. It was too much of a holy, solemn, most holy activity here on this day of atonement. And so we must clear out of our lives, out of our thoughts, and be extremely sober when we come to the cross. And when we come to God for examination, daily, that this is too important. My soul depends upon it. My life depends upon it. And that's the person, or the kind of person, that will walk with God in true fellowship and who will be fit for the Master's use, full of the Holy Spirit and full of good works to the good pleasure of the Lord. Verse 21, speaking about that scapegoat he will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion and sins of the people of Israel. Innocent goat symbolically transferring the sins when the hands are laid on the goat's head. In this way he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. Notice the procedure for that man. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. In other words, the sins disappear. That's the meaning there. The Lord Jesus took our sins, innocent Lamb of God, He was blamed or accused of sin, who did no sin. He bore the punishment that should have come to us. And he who knew no sin became sin. the very embodiment of all of our cursings, blasphemies, immorality, theft, murderous thoughts, jealousies, all of those things that people do he went on our Lord and Savior he suffered horribly and then he rose to justify us after dying for our sins when Aaron goes back into the tabernacle he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he entered the most holy place and he must leave the garments there very holy. It's set apart for a specific service. And he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place. Is there any physical dirt on him that requires this during the service? More than just wiping away sweat. If there was any sweat in the performance of the duties speaking about the need once again to be clean 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 in the sight of God then he would go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and a burnt offering for the people very involved needless to say now notice about the man who was chosen to drive the scapegoat into the wilderness verse 26 into the wilderness of Azazel must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. He just, he just guided the goat into the wilderness. And he has to do it too. Then he may return to their camp. He's taking a creature that is carrying the sins. And thereby he's getting defiled. And he has to make sure he's clean. You see a, a parallel there with the person with the leprosy they had to go through a certain procedure to be ceremonially clean even when they were healed such is the nature of sin the leprosy pointing to that pointing to that to that sin that we have the effects of that is so contaminating God keeps telling us again and again it's a dreaded thing to violate God's law carry sin to get rid of it. And so, verse 28, the man who burns them now, even for the animal hides, the internal organs and dung that's supposed to be burned outside the camp, even that man, verse 28, must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. It would be helpful to underline these verses because it really conveys the depth to which we need to get rid of sin from our lives. That's the application for us. And how, by coming to God in the prescribed way today, in true repentance and godly sorrow, saying, Lord, I've got to be holy before you. And thank you that you made a way that if I confess my sins and turn from my sins, you will cleanse me, Lord, because you're so gracious of all sin and unrighteousness, I can be in beautiful, pure fellowship with you. I dare not presume upon this and make it a cycle that I would presume would go on forever because it will not. Though God is very patient and loving, He keeps warning. What we need to do is keep keep getting rid of sin and not keep doing the same things come to a point where we're so surrendered to God, we understand what holiness means that we have zero desire for anything except to please the living God and in pleasing God he gives the gift of marriage according to the blueprint he has for Everyone, for some, it may be to serve God like Paul, and they make a choice to remain single for the glory of God. Some may have that gift, but most do not. They don't have that calling. In in having that singular desire to please God, God blesses me, and I derive happiness in marriage. In seeking to please God, it's God's will that I enjoy the food that He gives. It's a blessing. I derive pleasure and happiness and fulfillment. Because it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And it's written, God gives us all things richly to enjoy. There's a time and a place and a manner in which God will give us the deepest satisfaction everything He wants for us the best holiness is not a negative thing it's all positive in the final analysis and ultimately because although it means separation from certain things it's because the things are not good for us but uh, holiness leads us to intimate communion with our Heavenly Father and we are made to be useful in God's service and able to be fulfilled. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We'll conclude for this morning. That's about what um, I believe the Lord wanted me to convey from this chapter. And anybody who'd like to pray, you can go ahead and pray. The Lord's spoken to you.